good to be travelling with you. Hello again. Hi, Julia. Have we got a treat in store today, and it is Greece. Oh, fantastic. Yes, I know. And with us is Dora Pappas here. Hello. How are you both? Who is Greek and been to Greece a whole lot of times and works with us on Better Homes and Gardens. Now, Dora's been to a lot of places mm-hmm. in Greece. In fact, your parents, your, your family, Dora, came from which part? My mother came from the Peloponnese, yeah. uh, just in a little town called Gastritis Kinurias, outside of um, Tripoli, uh, which is in the, as I said, the southern Peloponnese. But my dad was from Cyprus, so he was from Beja, a little town outside of Bafos. So, and they actually met here in Australia. So, but you, you actually don't call a Cypriot. Greek, you call him a Cypriot? Oh, you call them a Greek Cypriot, but now Cyprus is a republic and it's also sort of divided in mm. two because of the Turkish half and the Greek half. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and the Cypriots are really proud Republicans as well. So they still want to be aligned to Greece, but they are their own country. Now, given you've been there a lot of times and your family's from there, just start us off on the best part of Greece that we should be visiting. Oh, my goodness, where isn't Greece fabulous? Look, I love going to the Peloponnese because it's lovely, it's green, um, it's about two, two and a half hours by um, coach from Athens, mm-hmm. really easy transportation, and the mountains are just just gorgeous, absolutely beautiful, very picturesque, very quiet, so you don't get the madness of the beaches mm-hmm. um, that you do on the islands, but there's some beautiful coastal cities as well. But what are the main cities there, would you would you say? Oh, well, Tripoli is uh, one of them. Kalamata yep. is down the bottom, um, and that's where we get the lovely uh, Kalamata. I was going to say, is it related to the olives? I was almost yes. too embarrassed to ask. <laughs> no, no, don't be embarrassed <laughs> to ask. Um, there's Orobo, a lovely city. Uh, it's a town more than a city uh, on the outside skirts of um, or the coast of Greece. Then there's Olympia, which of course is Mount Olympus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually very, very lucky when I was about 12 years old, my parents took me to Greece and I actually saw an Olympic ceremony when oh, the flame wow. was being oh, handed amazing. over. Can't remember which city, but <laughs> anyway. Uh, and of course there's Sparta as well, which is beautiful too. So, See, because we always think about the Greek islands automatically when we're talking about Greece, but the mainland is extraordinary and beautiful. I mean, if, if, if you went nowhere else but Athens, for example, if you went to Greece, that would sort of nearly do you. You know, Ben and I talk a lot about uh, moments when you're travelling. The first time you come around the corner and you see the Acropolis, oh, which wow. is up higher mm-hmm. than you, you actually can't believe it that wow. you're there and it is pretty much literally breathtaking. Mm. So mainland Greece is wonderful in itself. Beautiful. And as you say, Athens is spectacular. I like to see Athens at night when it's all lit up and it's really magical. And, of course, the uh, Parthenon is uh, all lit up as well. And there's fabulous eateries down below. Mm. And you can sit there and look up and there's the um, Parthenon there right in front of you. It is glorious. So uh, just quickly to jump in, for the uneducated like me, um, you mentioned Parthenon and Julia said Acropolis. Can you just describe how those two things are different or the same? Acropolis is the actual hill Ah. on which the Parthenon sits on top. If we head off the mainland and wander down to the islands, or you can, if you can, in fact, you can wander up to the islands, you can wander over to the islands. 
and you can wander down to the islands because how many sets of islands are there? Oh, Just there's looking at this so map, I many. have no idea how many there are. Yeah, yeah, lots the, of islands. There's lots and lots of islands. There's the islands of the Sporades, the Decanisi, there's the Kiklades, which is the Cyclades, which is where everyone knows Mykonos and all of those islands, Santorini are. Um, and then there's the islands of the Ionian Sea, which is where Ithaki is, Zakynthos, Gethalonia, if you remember Captain um, Corelli's Mandalorian. Lynn, that was uh, based in uh, Fiscardo, which is one of the seaside towns or harbour towns of um, Gefalonia. So there's the Ionian on the west coast. There's the Sporades. What about Skiathos and Skopilos, which is in the oh, Sporades? I spent about a month on Skopilos and I have a little story for you. <laughs> for, for the f- taste bud travellers amongst mm-hmm. us, they will love my recipe. But oh. that's to come shortly, okay. yes. <laughs> Sorry, I think I know that story yes. about uh, your yes. recipe, but yes, that is to come a little yes, bit later. It is. <laughs> uh, I won't spoil it for anybody. Um, I visited, I don't know how many islands, I actually had to write them down and I'd bore you all, but um, I love Santorini. I was just in Santorini earlier in April this year, which is an interesting time of year to travel. It's, um, is it spring? No, uh, it, autumn. It is spring, spring but spring. it's still um, a little bit coolish, mm-hmm. um, but it's great because there's no crowds. So if you're not interested in crowds, that's a really good time of year to go. And Santorini, uh, I didn't know much about the wines of Santorini, hmm. but I found out that they have these uh, wonderful Asitico wines. And if you look at the way their vines are grown, they're actually grown as a glura, which means basket. Or if I, when I looked at it, I thought, oh, no, that looks like a wreath to me. Hmm. Um, and they're grown low and to the ground. And the reason they do that is because... Uh, the islands of the Cyclades are quite windy, so they've adapted to the conditions and the wine is fantastic. A bit mm. like Sauvignon Blanc, but better. So if, mm. if you were to describe what, what are the characteristics, generally speaking, of the islands, because it almost doesn't matter which island you go to in a way because they're so exquisitely wonderful, each and every one of them. They are exquisitely wonderful, but the different areas have... Um, different styles of architecture as yes. well. So the Kiklades are your typical I'm going to White say House, Cyclades so Cyclades, people sorry. Can, when they're reading it can see what it is. Sorry, yes. I'm showing off now, okay? <laughs> okay, so the um, Kiklades, the houses are your traditional white with the blue roofs. Deep blue, oh, yeah. yeah, pretty much so. And there's rules around that now as well. The government has um, all the... A style guide for new Style homes, yeah. guide for any mm-hmm. homes mm-hmm. built there. Um, then you go to um, the Sporades, which is our Skiathos and our Skopilos, and they... Sporades, for those of us who can't <laughs> speak Greek. <laughs> I, get into, you, <laughs> I have to tell you, I get into trouble by my daughter who's um, who just says to me, do not say things in an Aussie accent. You've got to say them properly. Good and I go, it. okay, all right, I will. So I do. Um, the uh, islands of um, the Sporades are very, very green, unlike those Gorgeous. of the Kiklades. Yes. So there's lovely, lovely green spots. The Kiklades are sort of windswept and and so they're very bare, mm. barren lot rocks Exposed. really. Yeah, and um, tourism has made them wealthy, especially Mykonos, one of the wealthiest um, of the islands. Um the islands of the Ionian, well, a lot of their buildings, unfortunately, um, 
due to earthquakes, they, they're they all basically all new built. Well, not all new, but there's a lot of new buildings there. So there isn't a real architectural style. But what is interesting about the Ionian Islands is that you have a lot of um, Italian influences coming through. And when I say well, that... because not very far from the Italian right. East Coast, and, just across the water, you, yeah. And the Italians ruled... Um, or the Venetians would have ruled um, a lot of those Greek islands at one stage. So a lot of the streets have got Italian names. So it's really quite interesting. There's all these Greek-speaking people, but a lot of the names of the streets and the areas are Italian. Being influenced by the... Best of both worlds, Best of both worlds. Be- I we, am we... so glad you uh, said that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, well, the no, because the Italians, yes. the Italians absolutely know that all Greeks are would-be Italians. <laughs> That's that just we just know that. Yes, I know. And Dora, Dora, that is not true. Dora comes up with a whole lot of reasons why that's not true, but you can just knock those reasons over every single time. I'm staying out of this, Julia. I think you're a very wise man, Ben. Very, very wise. Well, Dora will throw democracy our way. Hippocrates. Democracy of, and hypocrisy. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, right. I didn't Excellent. say hypocrisy. Oh, I said sorry. Hippocrates. There I go again. <laughs> the father of modern medicine. Get it right, Ben. <laughs> and what do you throw at me? All of those. And, and I comes up with that and I just go, where's the current day Ferrari <laughs> or Ferragamo shoes? Mm-hmm. So we, we all wait to hear about the Greek car. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. No, I know. I'm just going to be really, might, really quiet. I might bring it back. Bring it back to the map. Actually, I just bring it back to the map. I do have a question. So there's yeah. obviously, you know, hundreds of islands and yes, some really, are. really well known ones. For me, when I'm visiting, it's easy to get between them. How do oh, I, absolutely! How does that work? I'm so glad you um, asked that. There are uh, many islands with airports. The ones that don't, um, you don't have to worry. You can get to them with ferry boats. And when we talk about ferry boats, we're not talking about one of the manly ferries. Mm-hmm. We're talking about these big, big boats that take. Ocean-going sem- sort of. They're pretty much so um, in the sense that um, they're actually sea-going. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. They take semi-trailers, they right. take trucks, they take people's cars as well as all the masses of tourists mm-hmm. that just sort of toddle on with their suitcases before all the trucks and cars come on. Mm-hmm. So there, and um, the services, there's many during the day. So, and you can get fast boats and um, obviously the slower ferry boats. So, as island well. hopping? Island hopping Easy. is a breeze, Great. an absolute breeze. And if you don't do it, Ben, because <laughs> I was horrified to hear that you had never been, you just have to go. And I'll give you my tips of Excellent. some of the islands, Thank whether you. you like to go to ones that are more mm, off the beaten track or whether you like the ones that are um, well-populated okay. and lots of nightlife because there's take some those beauties. Tips, um, we talk a lot too about uh, the best way of getting around any country and if you're on the mainland, road trips are pretty good. The local transport is great. Fantastic. Yes. And the Greeks have actually got, I think because they have such um, numbers of tourists, they've actually got their um, transportation system Lockdown, absolutely. Yes. If that's the only thing they've done really well, they've mm-hmm. done that well. And and we, we talk too about coach touring because it's easy to get around. You're taken to the most spectacular of places. You don't have to think much about where you're going. Absolutely. Because there's so much in Greece to see that almost if you leave it to yourself, you'll, you'll miss, miss a lot of beautiful, beautiful things. Yeah. You will I miss think it. You need a bit more time if you're doing it yourself. If time yeah. is 
precious, which yep. it is for almost all of, of us. Get. And you've got a week or two or something. Yeah, an organised or- uh, group tour can be a great way. An organised tour is fantastic, but um, it is okay. You can do it on your own if mm-hmm. you're go- if you know where you're going. Um, you just get the local transportation because they're um, going from city to city or from town to not so much town to town, city to town to a town. You will um, the local buses are really coaches. They're not buses. Yeah, That's right. how they're very decked out. Very comfortable. So, Dora, seafood, food. <sighs> Lamb, slow cooked lamb, slow cooked lamb, pastizzi, pastizzo, not pastizzo. Yes, well, you know. pastizzo is the Greeks' version of uh, lasagna, I'd say, and it's basically penne um, pasta, obviously cooked through. Then the layer of um, meat sauce, a red meat sauce. Well, we do it with mince, and then another layer of the um, the pasta because you bake all this, and a thick bechamel sauce mm. on top. Pop it in the oven. It is superb. So what is the difference between that and moussaka? Mm. Moussaka, you swap out the uh, pasta and you put in um, uh, fried potatoes and fried eggplant. Mm. That so sounds that's pretty the, okay too, sound very good. Yes. They're the bottom layers, then the meat, then that uh Potato and eggplant again, and then the bechamel sauce on top. Yum. And then, but for seafood, can you really go past? And I'm going to sort of take you off onto a different path here. Uh, most people think I'd be talking about octopus, ah, which is fantastic that's, too. That's where I thought we were going. Yeah. Well, we can talk about that mm-hmm. in a minute. But psari blaki. And do you want to know what that is? Say it again. Psari blaki. Psari blaki. Yeah. And if you were to say anglicised? It's basically just um, fish in the oven with vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what, and what baked you, fish. That's it, baked <laughs> fish. But it's the way it's baked and that, uh, when I'm sorry, it's not actually the way it's baked, it's what you pour over the mm-hmm. fish and you use a, a fish that's a firm, uh, firm-fleshed fish. So in Greece they used to use, um, or still use, cod. In Australia mum used to use um, snapper. Mm-hmm. And so she'd uh, have that in her baking dish and on top of that she would put her uh, a sauce of um, tomato with garlic and veggies and all sorts of other lovely things. Am I making your mouth water yet? A little mm-hmm. bit, yes. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And then you just put that in the oven, 180 degrees, take it out in about mm, 40 minutes or so and the flesh just falls off mm-hmm. and you just – and it's you can serve it with feta and crusty bread. And Greek, Greek little – Cakes and shortbreads, <gasps> are, you know, oh. they're what make your mouth water. Which so. do you prefer, kurabiedes? I like the kurabiedes, yes. 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 Yeah, I like kurabiedes. Sure Absolutely delicious. Full of icing sugar. Are we in sort of baklava area? Oh, no, is no, no. Else? Baklava is phyllo pastry yeah. with walnuts and lots of more phyllo pastry and a sugar Honey. syrup on top, yeah. yeah, which is really lovely. However... Um, Kurabiedes is a crescent-shaped cookie with uh, made of almonds and obviously all the other things, flour, etc. And then you just coat them once they're out of the oven with um, icing sugar, oh, yeah. and they just that you know you just you're you actually look white afterwards because you're covered, of, in, the, you're covered in, in all the icing sugar. Your clothes are covered in the icing sugar. Hey, as one well. of my favourite things. Uh, Dolmatis. When when am I eating those? Are they an, are they an entree? Or they can, where, or they they can be an entree. Yeah. Oh, I, with your beer. Um, are they an anytime food? Are they 
pretty much in any time <laughs> food, but definitely as an entree. Mm-hmm. Um, some people serve them as uh, as part of the main meal as well. I mean, we Greeks, we just love they food. They really are so yummy. Yeah. You know what? Our food isn't um, particularly eye candy, but it is tasty. <laughs> no, it's just nothing like Greek food. So I'm going to tell you about my tasty recipe, if I may, because it was a really tasty Greek recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, we, when we we lived on Skopelos for a couple of months and we were staying up in an olive picker's hut uh, and it had no water, no running water and no electricity. So we had an outdoor oven and our shower in the morning was boiling a big cauldron of hot water and pouring <clears> it through <throat> a, an olive oil tin with holes in the bottom. But it was fabulous and we'd go down to the port a 20-minute walk pretty much every day. And then one, one, one of the times we were down there, my sister invited 20 people to dinner. And I said, well, yeah, that's really clever. How on earth no are we going no to water. feed them? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. She said, you know what, we'll just boil up some rice, we'll do some roast vegetables in the uh, outdoor oven and then we'll just put that on top and we'll cut up fruit and we'll be fine. Oh, okay, because she'd invited them. There was nothing I could do. So I took charge of the rice. And, and and in the olive grove we had the donkeys and we had chickens and we had goats. It was just the most exquisite, <laughs> wonderful place with a big terrace out the front. So we boiled the rice and I squeezed it through my hands to get rid of as much glug and I found a whopping cement wash tub. So I cleaned it out, put the rice in there and set it out in the sun to dry. Mm-hmm. Then we did the vegetables. This during those, we did the vegetables, <laughs> cut them all up and, Sounds you know, roasted so them. They would, yeah. they, they, mm. they tasted delicious. They were ready to go, these beautiful things, and then the fruit. And come pretty much sunset, the guests were about to arrive in 20 minutes coming with their retsina and mm. wine <laughs> and whatever rudo they were bringing for it, mm-hmm. they, which they needed at the end of our dinner. And so I go out to collect the rice. The goats are there. The donkeys are making their noises. The chickens are making (laughs) And they were as noisy as they were Mm -hmm. because they had spent the afternoon in the wash tub eating the rice. Mm. So the rice was full of chicken poo. And I thought we had about 20 minutes to go before they arrived. There was no time to make more rice. So I thought, what do we do Pick it out. No, I stirred it in. <laughs> Special seasoning. It looked like peppered rice. Oh, yes. Beautiful. Yes. So there was a fair bit of it going on, but I figured once we put the vegetables on top, you wouldn't see it. My sister and I didn't eat it, so we didn't know what it tasted oh. like. But Were there any compliments to the chef? Three people asked for the recipe. <laughs> no. Now, I don't know. Your famous chicken rice. Whether that was the... Retsina, or the Uzo at work or the wine at work, but it was a treat. Everybody had an absolutely lovely time and no one died the next day. (laughs) So that's my Greek recipe. It's called organic matter. (laughs) That's fine. What would the Greek name of that that dish be, Dora? Chicken a la... A la zaita. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Fantastic. Beautiful. Got to go to Greece. Don't I was you? hungry too until you gave us that recipe. I know. It was pretty delicious, I'm, I'm I heard. Really yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to write it out for yeah. you, Ben. Dora, <laughs> Yasu, thank you. Thank you so much. Is that thank what you. we say to you? Efgaristo. Yes. Efgaristo. Yes. Ben, we're very excited uh, because we're now going to welcome Kelly Mihalakis from the Hellenic Odyssey. Fantastic. And she's going to talk to us about Crete. Hello, Kelly, and welcome to the show. Hello, and thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, we'd like you to tell us a bit about you, that, uh, yes. your, uh, the, what's happening in Melbourne, your heritage, and you are Cretan, right? 
Yes, that's correct. So um, I have a long line of Cretan heritage. Not only were my parents born in Crete, but so were my grandparents. And in fact, they were from the exact same village of Crete. So mm. I was born in Melbourne. Um, my um, family did come to Melbourne during the big Greek migration, which occurred in the 1950s to 1970s, the big mass migration. When all of the Greeks migrated, they came to Melbourne. And lucky Melbourne for having all yes. that absolute fabulous Greek influence and the food. Absolutely. Ben, food, yes. food fan? Absolutely. And um, not massively familiar with um, Greek food, but um, very keen to get to know it a bit better. Well, you'll know it a lot more by the end of um, this chat, I Terrific. think. So before you get into the food, can you tell us why Crete is so fabulous and and is it sort of separate from Greece as such or is it just p- part of it like we know all the other islands to be? So Crete is the largest of all of the Greek islands and it's divided into four regions and it's referred to as the West Coast or the East Coast, I guess much like the USA. Um, The capital city is Irakion and the town that we are from is Hanya, which is on the western side and that's where most of the tourists go to. I think what makes Crete so special in terms of an island is it has something for every traveller. Uh, whether you're interested in nature, um, it, it varying landscapes from your rugged mountains, which um, one of the mountains is called Lefkar Ori, which basically means white mountains, and that's because you will see it often with the snow. Oh wow! Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So you could be you could be swimming in the beach in May, but there'll still be snow on the mountains that you can see whilst you're in the water swimming. That's amazing. It, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's got um, gorges, Samaria Gorge, which is an eight-hour hike, which a lot of tourists, even if they're only there for three or four days, they will go and do this eight-hour walk. To lakes and beaches, there's a famous beach called Elafonisi, which is a pink sand beach. Wow. A lot of travellers are drawn to Crete because they've heard about the people. The Cretan people in particular have a very hospitable nature, very warm and very welcoming. And they're referred to, there's a term, uh, philoxenia, philo meaning friend and xenia meaning stranger. So literally the word translates to um, befriending the stranger. Lovely. And, and that's what you will find in Crete, that people will welcome you. And even if they don't know you, they will welcome you into their home and, 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 and pull out whatever they've got in the fridge and offer you a meal. <laughs> I think Ben is my philoxenia every, every week when we're talking about travel. always feeding you. Yeah. <laughs> and now if you want to go to Crete, do you fly in from Athens or do you catch a ferry? So you could fly in from Athens. But Crete is also one of the destinations that a lot of people go to from Santorini via ferry. So it is connected. You can go by ferry from Athens and take the overnight ship, which is quite luxurious, Um, but most people would fly. So the three things that people should do if they go to Crete, Kelly, what would you absolutely recommend? The walk? Look, I'm I'm going to suggest some very off-the-beaten-track kind of experiences for Crete. I would suggest, and they're all going to be foodie-related, I would suggest going to see phyllo pastry being made by hand, the traditional way. So basically you will see phyllo pastry being laid on a bench as if you were trying to make your bed Hmm. and you were were throwing a sheet 
of your bed sheet over the bed to make your bed. This is the way that traditional um, filo pastry was made by hand and it was stretched and stretched and stretched. And there are two places in Crete where you can still see that being made. Uh, so do you I learn would, it if you go there? Um, I think it, you, you, you would watch. I'm not sure it's something you can learn. It's one of those techniques that takes years to perfect. Um, and these, these, there's two gentlemen, they're brothers, that have been making it in Kenya and, and they've been making it all their life. So I'm not sure you could just pick, pick it up, but you learn about how the concept of how it's made. Then the other two? The, Yes, the other two is I would recommend visiting a village in Kanya, which is called Anovulves, and there you will find one of the world's oldest olive trees. Mm. Now, it's estimated to be between two to 4,000 years old. Wow. Oh, how amazing and wonderful. And, uh, I mean, Crete is an island where one of the main products it produces is olive oil. So if you can go during a time when the olive oil harvest is on and actually have an olive oil harvest experience yourself, which it is available, um, I was lucky enough that I spent a winter there. It happens in around November, December, where I was actually able to collect olive oil, uh, olives, um, pop them into sacks and take them down to the refinery to be turned into olive oil. How amazing. So that's that a, sounds it's a really remarkable experience. Just for the tree would be enough. Yes. Yes. yes if it, you did nothing else. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And the third thing I would recommend is having a meal in a village. Um, in a traditional village. So um, there's a town called Feriso. Again, it's in Kanya in Crete on the western side. And there is a restaurant there which is has the paddock-to-plate concept. So they produce everything on the land and they um, sell it in the restaurant. But what makes this particular restaurant so unique is that they are still cooking in traditional clay pots over fire. And it's out the front of the restaurant, so you can actually watch your food being cooked in these traditional slow food cooking methods. Wow. So it's really, really unique. Hey, Kelly, are there, um, are there sort of one or two classic or iconic Cretan uh, dishes or recipes that you'd, be, you know, simple ones that you could share with us? Like what, what kind of things would we, um, could we make at home? One thing that you would find on every restaurant menu um, in Crete is the Cretan dacos. Dacos basically is a Cretan, um, it's a barley rusk. So um, in the olden days when they were still trying to uh, preserve bread and make it last longer, they would dry it. Mm. And when they wanted to consume it, they would rehydrate it in water. So they, a Cretan dacos is essentially a barley rusk that has been rehydrated in water and then it's topped off with grated tomato oh. when it's in season with a little bit of salt and oregano and drizzled with lots and lots of extra virgin olive oil. And that you will find on every restaurant menu and it can be made as an individual serve or it can be made as a salad as well. Um, it's topped off with mizithra cheese or feta cheese. But in Crete, you will find mizithra cheese because that's a specialty that you will only find in Crete and it's made out of goat's milk because in Crete they don't have cows. Hmm. They only have goats and sheep. If we needed something, Kelly, that were sort of probably more familiar ingredients than barley husks for us, what what would they be? Is there something that's just got four simple um 
ingredients that we could put together yeah. a delicious. So a popular Cretan dessert mm. is to simply have um, Greek yogurt that you have strained just for an hour to get rid of that excess fluid. Yep. And then you top that with either almonds or walnuts and then sprinkle over some um, cinnamon and honey. But it's you can use normal honey, but you can also use a Greek honey, which normally has a scent of thyme through it mm. because thyme is a herb that is found in Crete in abundance. So the um, bees feed off that and produce this Greek thyme honey. Oh, that would be amazing. That does sound good. Can we get thyme honey here? You can, and you can get it at most delicatessens. And same with the barley rusks, you can find them in any um, continental delicatessen. Fantastic. What about um, what? What are, are there any particular local drinks? Anything that's you know, yes. endemic to the island? Absolutely. So, have you heard of raki? R A K I. I have. Raki. So basically, that that's uh, like the equivalent. I would Lisa? say to probably grappa. Oh, or oh there you go. Uh, Yes, it's 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 a clear liquid and it's taken as a shot and um, it's offered to you as a welcome drink. Um, any time of the day. As any they time do with of the grappa. day, yes. absolutely. Some people have it for breakfast yes. to really kickstart their day. Could you have more really than one wake welcome them up. <laughs> you can have- well, well, you'd be feeling pretty welcome <laughs> by the end of it. <laughs> and it's another um, one that makes you forget your name. <laughs> Absolutely. And where you are. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with that sometimes, Julie. So basically, um, raki is offered uh, as a welcome drink um, or also as a digestive after a restaurant meal as a sign of gratitude to say thank you. You might be given a a shot of raki. Um, If if I'm a real history buff and I'm right into kind of world heritage um, sites uh, from ancient Greece, for example, I I imagine there's, there's plenty for me to indulge in in Crete. A lot of people visit Knossos. Knossos is in Iraklio and it was the civilization of the Minoans. So that is probably the most important historical site for Crete. I think that when you're travelling through Greece and Crete, anything to do with, with that part of the world, you're just in history anyway. Yes, absolutely. How much more historical do you get, Ben, than a three to 4,000-year-old Olive tree. Olive tree. It Olive have, tree, It would have yes. seen it all come and go, wouldn't it, that wouldn't tree? You, yes. that, you know, we often talk about, you know, what are moments when you're travelling. I think seeing that would just be an yeah, incredible be moment. Absolutely. Yes. Now, can we take you back to Melbourne? Yes. Um, which is where you are. And for the people who get to visit gorgeous old Melbourne and all its fabulous foodie stuff these days, tell us about your walking tours there and cooking okay. classes. So uh, basically what we are offering is walking tours with a Greek influence. So uh, many, many years ago, Lonsdale Street used to be known as the Hellenic Hub where all of the Greek restaurants and bars and clubs and eateries were. But people have moved out of that suburb and now moved into the suburb of Oakley. And Oakley is attracting... Yes. Have you heard of Oakley? Yes. Go to Oakley. Yeah, there's been a second wave of migration in recent times from young families with children um, from Greece and a lot of them are opening up shops in Oakley and they're bringing a different flavour of food, a much more authentic flavour. So, for example, years ago we didn't have the pork souvlaki. We only had lamb and chicken. And in the last five to ten years they've introduced the pork souvlaki because they know how to cook it and how to marinate it. 
So they're bringing some unique flavours. So we want to um, take people on these foodie tours in Oakley and we take them to the best of the best places so they can experience, for example, the best kuluri. A kuluri is a sesame-crusted bread ring. If you've ever been to Athens and walked along the main street of Edmore, you would have seen a kuluri. So we take them to the best delicatessen so they can try... Um, there's a delicatessen that has over 40 different types of feta, and it's feta with F-F-E-T-A, which is the original um, PDO feta. So it's the protected destination origin. It's, you know that the feta is coming from Greece. So we have these walking tours in order to expose people to the best products that they can possibly find um, and sample in the suburb, suburb of Oakley. And then to your cooking classes. Yes. They would be amazing. So the focus of the cooking classes is the Mediterranean diet. Um, the Mediterranean diet was actually modelled on a dietary eating pattern of the Cretans in the 1950s and people were interested as to why they were living so long. And there are 10 basic rules of the Mediterranean diet and it basically just is it's eating whole food. Yes. And not a lot of meat. Hmm. So the cooking classes, we want to expose people to things other than just the souvlaki and lamb. That's not just what Greek food is about. Mm -hmm. um, Greek food utilises a lot of legumes, a lot of whole grains, fruit and vegetable and a lot of dairy. So the cooking classes are about focusing on the Mediterranean diet and exposing people to the types of Greek food that they probably wouldn't normally find um, in a restaurant, but rather they're the type of food that you'd find in a family home. So, Kelly, when you're heading out to Oakley, is, is one of the main ways to go, you just whip along Dandenong Road and arrive there. Yes, yes, uh, yes. And is that where it is? So for people who it's, are visiting yeah. Melbourne, just find your way to Dandenong Road and head south and you'll hit yes. Oakley. But is there a, yeah. a main is, – is there a special street in Oakley that, that people should look up when they come there? Well, basically, um, I don't know when the last time you visited was, but there is now a walkway, like a, a pedestrian walkway, yes. where there are chairs and tables outside, and it's called the Eaton Mall, E-A-T-O-N. Yes. And all of the restaurants and the cafeterias are all dispersed along there. So there isn't, you can't go wrong. Kelly, um, I'm heading down to Milton. I, oh, you know, fantastic. Be, before I can, well, I can't get to Crete. I don't know about you, Ben, <laughs> but or Greece. Um, I think you've whetted our appetite for the feta. Yes. Oh, for everything. For the I dessert. just think that was such good insider information, both in terms of Crete and Melbourne. Brilliant. And what about the Raki? Let's not forget it. And one thing that a lot of people don't know about Crete in terms of food, one of the most other most popular dishes is actually snails. Hmm. Oh, there you go. So it's not just in France. Um, Crete is also very well known for its uh, dishes that are, uh, encompass snails. So we're going to find them in Oakley as well. Not the snails. Not the snails, <laughs> just all the I'm other. I'm not sure if you can get them here, but you can definitely get all of the dairy produce um, and the um, barley rusks in order to make the Cretan uh, dacos. Thank you. Now we're going to be finding all of those in Oakley. Where are we finding you, Kelly, online? Yeah, so basically the website, thehellenicodyssey.com.au and across all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube and LinkedIn. It's Garisto, Kelly. Oh, Paracalo. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks it's so been much, amazing. Thank you kindly. Now today we have a real treat in store. We're going to be talking to Clive Hartley about Greek wines. Clive is a wine educator, a wine writer, a sommelier, and so much more. 
Clive, welcome to the show. We are absolutely thrilled and honoured and delighted to have you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a delight to be here. Now, um, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in the wonderful world of wine before we go into the Greek area? Certainly. I've been educating and consulting on wine for probably about over 20 years now, as well as writing for magazines and um, I've written a book on uh, the Australian wine industry. Um, currently, though, I'm course director for TAFE New South Wales Sydney Wine Academy. And here we deliver a range of wine courses with uh, online study options as well. And one of those short courses is our World of Greek Wine program. So that's a three-hour exploration of uh, both the ancient and modern history of Greece and the great varieties and the regions that make Greece a wonderful country to learn about. How very exciting for people who are wine lovers like we all are. Now, do are you Clive Hartliopoulos when you're talking about Greek wines or do you remain? <laughs> <laughs> Just for the rest of us, we need to feel that, Clive. Yeah, look, it's definitely a Hartliopoulos. And uh, but I do I do stress at the beginning of my classes that I, I'm not I'm not a Greek national and I don't speak Greek, and uh, that's one of the challenges of Greek wines is actually to get your tongue around some of the Greek names and uh, and I've spent obviously some time in Greece and uh, it's been been a fantastic journey for me to learn about the wines. I bet it has. Now we've been rattling on a little bit about Retsina because Ben and I don't know anything about Greek wines, which is why we're thrilled to be talking to you. But there's a whole lot more to Greek wines. In fact, does Retsina even count? We figure it's pine sap, isn't it, Clive? Well, it's pine resin to be a little bit more exact. And uh, it's a style that is still made. And it goes back to the beginning of wine and when the ancient Greeks used um, pine resin to actually seal the amphoras. So when you drive through Greece and you see those small cups attached to the pine trees, is that what's being gathered? Yeah, it's basically coming from the tree itself. Um, the death throes of Greek wines was basically kind of to shove a retsina in front of people and it would put them off for life. Um, those days <laughs> are firmly gone. <laughs> and uh, when I was doing my, when I was doing my training in in Greece, they they said you know you've got to try some retsina, the modern styles, and um, they've got a very light touch of resin now to them. And uh, in the old days, it was up to about five percent of the volume of the wine was was actually pine resins. So we've moved on from the days of retsina, and we're we're into a modern Greek wine industry now that really doesn't feature retsina, which is a lucky thing. So let's go on to the other wines. <laughs> Take us around the country in a wine yeah. glass, Clive. <clears throat> okay, so let's start at the top, northern Greece and the area of uh, Macedonia uh, above Thessaloniki. And um, we've got the famous region of Nyusa, uh, which is known for its bold red wines made from the Zinon Mavro grape variety. It's a very green countryside up there. And it, it, when, when you go up there, you just don't think you're in Greece. It's so green. And they even get snow up there. So it, it changes people's perception of what um, Greece is like when you're traveling in northern Greece. Then we go um, to the far northwest and uh, we've got an area called Epirus. And this is a great area for sparkling wine. So again, a kind of wine style that you wouldn't expect in Greece. And um, this is a, a small area called Zitsa, 
and they've got a white grape variety called Dabina there, and uh, and that's been making some really good sparkling wines. Again, you, it's a fairly rare thing to see outside the country, but they're worth kind of hunting down. Moving down, we've got just below Thessaloniki, we've got the uh, Halkadiri area in Mount Athos, but it's a self-governing area with fabulous monasteries and unspoilt vineyards and olive groves that date back centuries. Then we're into central Greece, and um, we've got an area with great reds around Rapsani. And then we move into uh, north of Athens, which is where our Retsina was traditionally produced. And finally, in the mainland area, we've got the, um, just attached to the mainland below Athens is the Peloponnese. And we've got the famous area of Nemea, the famous for its red wines made from Agaritico and uh, the highland area of Mantania, which uh, has a white grape uh, but with a pink skin called Moscafilo. And um, then finally we've got traditional wines in that area like the Mavrodafni of Patras and their uh, traditional sweet fortified wines. And then to the islands? I suppose we should start with the biggest island, which is Crete. And Crete's great, um, has some um, really interesting uh, red grape varieties like Cotsophalia mandelaria, and uh, they can be blended together. Cotsophalia is a little bit more red fruits, um, um, kind of fruit-forward wine, whilst mandelaria is a little bit more structured with um, with tannins. Um, but when we're in the islands, you really can't beat Santorini, a powerhouse for wine, and maybe that's not known, uh, but it, it actually houses Greek's most famous white grape, which is a Citico. And um, so the island is so unique with its lava, volcanic soils. It has no rainfall for eight months of the year. It's impossible really to grow grapes in those conditions, but they do it. Um, they've adapted their environment and, and we can learn a lot about their winemaking in dry climates in Australia from what they do. So, so in pairing Greek, Greek wines with food, what should be paired with seafood, for example, mm. and what should be paired with a, a meat dish? Yeah, look, there's a couple of great varieties. I, I'd go back to Acetico for a start off with seafood. It's got some, you know, it's got some um, fresh uh, acidity to these white white wines, and so they they really suit suit the seafood diet, especially on the island of Santorini. There is a grape a grape called uh, Robola, which is a white grape from uh, Kefalonia. And uh, that's the Ionian Islands area. And um, that's a really good lemony, citrusy driven wine, which will be good with seafood. And for the reds, then I don't think you can really go past the um, Agroitico. And because that's more of a Cabernet Sauvignon style of red wine. And um, so, you know, with, with things like slow cooked mm. lamb uh, that you get in Greece, I think it goes really well. What's your favourite? Well, I suppose my favourite red is has got to be Zino Mavro from the top, from Naosa area. And that is like, um, if if you know the um, the Italian wine of Nebbiolo or Barolo, then it's kind of Greek's Nebbiolo. Uh, it's a very spicy kind of black olive herbal notes to the wine. Uh, but it's got this kind of silky but quite firm tannic structure without being kind of uh, a very, you know, big full-bodied style of wine. It ages well, though, because of its tannins. And um, it's really Greek's um, 
meditation wine. It's a wine that um, that is of serious wine that could, you know, hopefully one day um, be be the iconic wine, red wine of Greece. And a white? Do you have a white that you love? Well, the, the, it's hard to go past a, a Citico and Santorini. And if it's blended, they do a blend on the island with two other white grapes called Adani and Athiri. And I find the blend is good because it kind of fleshes out the uh, Citico a bit. But there's also a style of a Citico called Niktiri. And that's, you know, it's a label term. And it means that the grapes have been like picked and they're a little bit more uh, full-bodied and a little bit more alcoholic, but it's really well-structured wine. And staying on white wines, you've got to mention that Acetico can also produce some stunning dessert wines, and they have uh, on the island a Vin Santo. So not to be confused with the Italian uh, uh, Tuscan Vin Santo. This is the original Vin Santo. When you break the word down, it's Vin Santo. It's the wine of Santo, Santorini. If you were in Italy, it would be a saint's wine, yeah, Vin Santo. Yes, yeah, correct. Yeah. But it's it's uh, Santorini's wine. That's nice to know. It is, yeah. Yes. And um, the, the dessert wines in general of Greece are a real surprise. They're stunning wines. In the world of wines, where do you think Greek wines sit? They are obviously struggling for market share with with their more famous neighbours. They're something like seventeenth largest producing wine nation in the world, but you know ninety percent of that is in their indigenous grape varieties. So one of the challenges to uh, to Greece is actually you know introducing those grape varieties to to people. And you do find that some of the export labels will have a Citico, and then they'll whack in some Chardonnay or some Sauvignon Blanc to kind of um, you know put a bit of a marketing edge to their wine so that people are not frightened off by just, um, you know, these indigenous varieties. But that's the strength of, of Greece is the fact that there's all these great varieties to explore. Clive, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much. Lovely to talk Thanks, to you. Julia. Bye. Yasu. So good, Ben. And we'll be back next week with Taste Bud Traveller, thank goodness, because it's such fun. Meanwhile, if you can't wait and want some more information, go to bhg.com.au forward slash taste bud hyphen traveler or click the link in the show notes absolutely and as always don't forget to subscribe um, and rate and review the podcast we absolutely love hearing from our listeners see you all next week